Well, now, Sean, you have to find the uh, Robin Williams as Elmer Fudd doing this. Oh, okay. That That's one of the funniest clips I've heard all week and have not heard it on the radio. Very old Robin Williams. I'm on fire. Let's bring in our next guest on the Midday Show on TSN 690. Sports columnist for the Toronto Star. You can also catch him on the reporters on TSN. Mr. Bruce Arthur. Hello, sir. David, how are you? I'm well. How's your summer break going? It's a beautiful, windy day where I am, and I just put 48 liters of good beer in the downstairs fridge. So in answer to your question, today's a good day. 48 liters. Yeah, it's a place near our place. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, uh, party at Bruce's tonight, everybody. <laughs> Send up a flare. We'll we'll figure out uh, somewhere. I, I don't know if you're in the Muskokas or if you're uh, closer to here, but uh, just send up a flare. 48 liters of beer. Montreal is coming. <laughs> Sounds good to me. We'll try and make it for uh, for 10 o'clock, catch the third game of this, uh, this Jays-Mariners series. You know, the last two nights I've gotten home after work, I turn on the TV and it's 2-1 Mariners. And I go, oh, they're in this thing. And within 10 minutes, it's 5-1 Mariners. Yeah, I mean... Everyone was talking about after the 19-inning marathon they, they won, uh, where they came back from 5 nothing. Everyone was saying, well, this could be a turning point. And I'm always really cautious. I think most baseball people are, but some are. People kind of say, could this be a turning point for the Jays? That when they beat two straight Cy Young winners, the games they kind of needed to have to not fall too far out of the race. And I kind of said, well, yeah, it's not that this is a turning point for the season. If it is, we won't know it until it happens. But what it really, what you can say it is, is that they hadn't fallen out. And then the last two games, they've just kind of fallen apart a little bit. And you're not going to be three straight Cy Young winners in a row very often. Felix Hernandez was too much for them, especially after the cross-country flight. But the Jays right now are in this kind of dangerous zone where – it's not that they could turn their season around in a one or two or three or four days, but they could see their season disappear pretty quickly. Uh, and so right now they're just praying that Edwin Encarnacion comes back soon. He, play, he played and hit very well in Buffalo last night. He had a grand slam. Adam Lind is back. Once this team gets all the horses back, or at least enough of them, that they could be close to that top five offense that they really are, then maybe, maybe there's a stretch around left in these guys. It's a lot of ifs, eh? <laughs> That's the Jays for you. We had uh, Scott MacArthur on the show yesterday, and he was talking about uh, resentment in the clubhouse, about nothing being done at the deadline. And my counter that to that was, they have the seventh largest payroll in baseball. What does one expect? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. When you look at the deals that got done, there weren't a lot of deals where you said, you know what, this is a deal that Jays could have made. Because really, they they didn't do a very good job uh, keeping depth in the organization. That was a big problem for them. Uh, when they made these deals, they traded away guys like Travis Darno and Noah Syndergaard and guys like that, who were really uh, some of the big future guys to come up. And we've seen Marcus Stroman come up this year. He's been great. Drew Hutchinson's been at least a solid major league pitcher, if not anything spectacular. Aaron Sanchez, a guy with huge potential. And after that, that's more or less the list. Uh, so what exactly do you do? They didn't have a, a farm system that you could pillage. You weren't trading Stroman because the odds of you getting a better pitcher than Stroman right now that wasn't named David Price, to get David Price, you would have to throw in other guys. Um, they just didn't have the horses to make big deals at the deadline. The one thing you could criticize is that they didn't make small deals at the deadline. There weren't 
guys that they went out just to go to plug holes. They picked up uh, Valencia to kind of plug a left-handed bat hole and that kind of thing. But this is the problem with these Jays. There's two different tracks that the Jays are on right now. There's the right now track, which is R.A. Dickey and Mark Burley and, and Jose Bautista, who's not, not the youngest player out there. Um, it's the right now, let's see what we can do track, which is what Alex Santopoulos went in all in on close enough last year. But then you look around and you go, okay, in three years, two years maybe, you could have to start your rotation, Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Drew Hutchinson. That's a pretty good start if those guys stay healthy, which with pitchers is always a big if. Um, but that's three good young pitchers, Daniel Norris, another guy they're waiting on, that you could maybe build a rotation out of. And the years after Mark Burley and Ari Dickey are vaguely pleasant memories at times. Um, but they didn't have the horses. And so, yeah, I, I know the Jays players were upset a little bit because you looked at the other teams in the AL, you looked at Oakland, you looked at Detroit. Those are the powers now. But that's kind of a fundamental – that's what the AL is right now. There are teams that have the ability to go for it because they've planned a little more holistically, I would say, than the Jays. And that's where they are. Yeah, I think that makes sense as, as an argument for it. Uh, I think Anthopolis, you know, even though his job might be on the line, he's thinking about the future of the ball club and trading. Let's say they could have traded Price straight up for Sanchez or Stroman. Maybe makes sense this year. But beyond that, to trade within your division and then you know that for the next six, seven years, you're going to be facing Stroman four, five times, three, four times a year. That mm-hmm. seems like a, a very dangerous game to be playing. And if Anthop- if Alex's job is on the line this year, I think people should keep that in mind, that he had the future in mind, not just going for it in 2014. Well, that's an interesting point, actually, Dick, because I, I know Alex Anthopoulos well enough at this point to know this. He knew at the beginning of the year that there was intense pressure. I don't think he was told outright that his job was on the line, but he knew that this year couldn't be another disaster because Lord knows they had enough of those. Um, but even so, even put in that sort of pressure situation where he knew that this year mattered an awful lot to his future, and he's not a guy who's, who really is that interested in leaving Toronto going forward, I don't think. I think he's built a kind of a family and a community here. Um, he still is not a guy who's going to burn the future for the present. He's just not. Like He's just not wired that way. Uh, there are general managers who will panic, and I'm not saying that Alex Anthopoulos has done everything right. But what I am saying is that he's not the kind of guy who's just going to go out and say, we're going to do this this year. He's not going to make a Mark Langston deal. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that, that, just, that just doesn't exist in his brain because he thinks even – this is honestly the way Alex Antopoulos thinks. He thinks, even if I get fired, I need to show fidelity to the organization going forward. I can't screw the guy who comes after me. Like, he's really one of the most loyal soldiers, soldiers there is in that way. And so, here we are. Here we are. And and look, I I mean, obviously, the Montreal connection makes me a fan of his. I'm a fan of his much more than I'm a fan of the team. And I want him to do well. I root for him. I think he he's done everything that's been asked of him so far. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out on the field as like the people of Toronto have hoped. But I mean, you can't fault the guy for trying. No, I mean, I, I defended every move pretty much that he made last year. I really thought that if you were going to go, if you were going to make the trade to the Marlins, which at the time really did look like a no-brainer because no one knew that Josh Johnson was a smoking crater waiting to happen. Um, if, if you're going to make that deal, then you also make the R.A. Dickey deal because he, he was the one kind of issue you get. Underlying all of this, 
is that the Jays have a top 10 payroll in baseball, yes. But Bob Elliott reported that other executives have been saying that the Jays couldn't take on money at this deadline, which was obviously a hindrance. Um, the reason that they, the only reason that they could make the deals they made last year and go to a top 10 payroll is that they ran the math and said, we will make money on this. This is not an organization that is ever run as a loss leader. Never. That's just not the way Rogers has budgeted it. That's their right as an owner. And the result is that Alex has been put in a box, but not really that much of a box. He was given the, the kind of go-ahead to make these big deals. Um, but since he made those big deals, there really hasn't been a financial formula that would allow to make another deal like it. And so he's been kind of stuck with what he's got. Uh, if you loot the farm system to get guys right now and you don't have money to add guys after that and you don't have a farm system, how do you make trades? And that is kind of the situation that Alex Anthopoulos has been put in. Again, it's, a, it's, it's not the worst situation in baseball, but it's a bit of a tough box. A couple of minutes left with Bruce Arthur. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce underscore Arthur. Bruce, I want to ask you, do you have any leanings on uh, who you think or who you want the next MLB commission to be? It's a really good question. I don't have specific names in mind just because I, I don't follow baseball as, enough in that regard. But here's well, if you're you anything want. like me, when you see Tom Warner, you think of Marcy Carsey in the end of the Cosby show. <laughs> um, but, but if you uh, if you ask for any commissioner in sports, here's what I think you want. You want someone who will run the game with dignity uh, towards the fans rather than just pure fidelity towards the owners and try to see the bigger picture of the game. Um, and then you want someone who isn't going to continually rack the the sport with labor stoppages. And if you're Major League Baseball, there was a report today that some owners have kind of said that over the last few years, the fact that there hasn't been a labor stoppage in baseball means that clearly they're being too good to the players. Because you look at the NFL, you look at the NBA, you look at the NHL, They've all had very profitable labor stoppages in which the players have gotten hammered in every single sport. And I, I think it's brutal. I think it's, it's ridiculous the way these things have gone. Um, it's basically owners doing it because they can. Um, but what you want is someone in baseball with enough power and enough vision to not ruin the one thing in baseball that you can admire. And I think in Montreal this resonates. There has not been a labor stoppage in baseball in 20 years. That's right, and the one twenty years ago was was totally pointless as well. If you remember, they came back without a deal on the table. Exactly, like, and baseball was always the sport that had learned from this. You hope that whoever they put in as commissioner is someone who remembers those lessons and appreciates them, and understands that that's been a part of driving baseball to where it is now, revenue wise, is that there has been a certain amount of labor peace, and that in sports today, and it's really lousy to have to say it in sports today. That's exceptional. Well, I'd like to see a Francophile, Bruce, with an appreciation for Labatt 50. <laughs> I think that would be uh, whoever the next commission is, if they can bring a ball club back to Montreal or at least let it happen under their watch. And unless they're commish for Bart Giamatti short amount of time or a Faye Vincent short amount of time, it will be under the next commissioner that baseball comes back to Montreal. Well, and that's why when Bud Selig said all those nice things about the Montreal weekend and the, the dim possibility that it could be an Expos franchise in the future, that's why it didn't matter that much, because he's not going to be the guy in charge. Bruce, go back to your 48 liters of beer. I'll be by around 10. <laughs> See you later, Dave. Thanks a lot. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce underscore Arthur.
and read him every day in the Toronto Star. This is Elmer Fudd. Sing Bruce Springsteen. I'm driving in my car. I turn on the radio. I pull you a little closer. You say no. You say you don't like it. I say you're a wire. But when we It's the Midday Show on TSN 690. Our thanks to Bruce Arthur.